Welcome to the Church Basement Podcast. Today's topic is disability. Grab a cup of coffee or tea, strap on your running shoes, or pick up your knitting needles or crochet hook and join us. Let us introduce ourselves. I'm Pastor Amanda Llewellyn, and I serve as the pastor at Central Lutheran Church in Northeast Portland, Oregon. And I'm Don Miller, a member here at Central and the producer of the podcast. Okay, so this week's topic hits close to home. And for those who are not following either Central or you on social media, why did we decide to talk about disability this week? We are talking about disability this week because as of January 7th, 2024, I will be leaving on disability leave from serving as the pastor at Central Lutheran. It was announced this last week on December 31st of 2023 on New Year's Eve, and we are recording this on January 2nd, three days later, and this is hard And this is very surprising for a lot of people. This was a shock for you. You had no idea this was coming. It was a shock for me, but at the same time, having sat across from you for seven years, knowing the headaches that have come that we've discussed around days that are better or worse for recording a podcast, it wasn't completely and utterly out of the blue. That's true. We have had a lot of days where either my lights will be off for recording the podcast or we'll have to shift topics because my brain just can't keep up. And y'all should know Don is an incredible editor and has to (laughs) edit around my like ums and ahs and losing words and phasia has kicked up. And you have been editing me since years before these migraines really started kicking up substantially. So you have actually heard my voice shift and change and the rate of my speech change over these years. So I guess you probably have had a little bit more of a clue than a lot of people. I've seen you go through some things, that's for sure. Yeah. So that is the big news that I will be um, going on disability leave and will be applying for long-term disability while I focus on my healing and finding a pathway forward due to my chronic migraine disease and all of the ways that that impacts my daily life and keeping enough spoons in my day to get the things done that need to get done. Okay. You mentioned the spoons to me (laughs) and I was like, wait, what? Because the only thing I know about spoons having moved out here, which again was a vast change from the Midwest, is that they told my elementary age kids to put a spoon under their pillow for it to snow. (laughs) Spoiler alert, that does not work. (laughs) Very sad for my kids. But uh, what is spoon theory? Okay, so I was really surprised you hadn't heard of this because this is so commonly discussed in my world, which maybe because I have been increasingly exposed to the disability world in these years. Mm -hmm. So spoon theory is a theory that was coined, shared, uh, a blog post that was put out into the world by Christine Misarandino, 
if I've mispronounced that, I do apologize to Christine because it is an incredible gift that was given to us in 2003. Wow. Not a new theory is what you're telling me. Not a new theory. So Spoon Theory is she was trying to explain to a friend about how she has to get through her day as someone who lives with chronic illness. And they were out at a diner and she just was trying to find a way to say, like, how can you explain to someone who doesn't look at you and see that you're sick? Like those of us with these invisible illnesses and these invisible disabilities like MS or Ehlers-Danlos syndrome or chronic migraine or rheumatoid arthritis, these different things that come along and really cause damage on the inside, but you can't tell it from the outside of someone. And she gathered up all the spoons that were at the table and she said, okay, you start your day with all of these spoons and these are all the spoons that you have to do all the things you have to do in the day and you won't get any more of them. So I'll just read a portion of this. I asked her to list off the tasks of her day, her friend, mm -hmm. including the most simple. As she rattled off daily chores or just fun things to do, I explained how each one would cost her a spoon. When she jumped right into getting ready for work as her first task of the morning, I cut her off and took a spoon away. I practically jumped down her throat. I said, no, you don't just get up. You have to crack open your eyes and then realize you're late. You didn't sleep well the night before. You have to crawl out of bed and then you have to make yourself something to eat before you can do anything else. Because if you don't, you can't take your medicine. And if you don't take your medicine, you might as well give up all your spoons for today and tomorrow too. I quickly took away a spoon and she realized she hasn't even gotten dressed yet. Showering cost her a spoon just for washing her hair and shaving her legs. Reaching high and low that early in the morning could actually cost her more than one spoon, but I figured I would give her a break. I didn't want to scare her right away. Getting dressed was worth another spoon. I stopped her and broke down every task to show her how every little detail needs to be thought about. You cannot simply just throw clothes on when you are sick. I explained that I have to see what clothes I can physically put on. If my hands hurt that day, buttons are out of the question. If I have bruises that day, I need to wear long sleeves. And if I have a fever, I need a sweater to stay warm and so on. If my hair is falling out, I need to spend more time look to look presentable. And then you need to factor in another five minutes for feeling badly that it took you two hours to do all of this. I think she was starting to understand when she theoretically didn't even get to work and she was left with six spoons. I then explained to her she needed to choose the rest of her days wisely because when your spoons are gone, they are gone. Sometimes you can borrow against tomorrow's spoons, but just think how hard tomorrow will be with less spoons. I also needed to explain that a person who is sick always lives with the looming thought that tomorrow may be the day that a cold comes or an infection or any number of things that could be very dangerous. So you don't want to run low on spoons because you never know when you will truly need them. I didn't want to depress her, but I needed to be realistic. And unfortunately, being prepared for the worst is part of a real day for me. We went through the rest of the day, and she slowly learned that skipping lunch would cost her a spoon, as well as standing on a train or even typing at her computer too long. She was forced to make choices and think about things differently. So that's just a portion of the story of the spoon theory, but you start to get the idea. 
It's a way of explaining to those who are able-bodied and haven't had to experience long-term chronic illness how it is that rationing out energy and rationing out tasks and understanding what it takes to actually do all of the things that have to be done when you are also managing a constant siphon of energy due to chronic pain or illness, it comes down to how am I going to manage all of this and how much can I do and do it well and still be able to function well. So it's spoon theory. For some folks who are nerdy like me, who play Dungeons and Dragons, you could also say spell slots because there are some spells that cost more that are higher level. And there are some spells like you can do more of one thing. Maybe brushing your teeth is really easy, but taking a shower is really hard. Mm -hmm. So taking a shower is going to be a level five spell slot, which is rivaling cooking a meal. But if you take a shower that day and you heat up leftovers rather than cooking a meal, then you're balancing your spell slots for the day. So it's all about balance and figuring out how to keep things in check so you can make it through everything. Did you stumble across spoon theory or did somebody point it out to you? I was taught about spoon theory by another spoonie. Oh, a spoonie. Nice. A spoonie. Yeah. <laughs> now, as somebody with a disease that is not visible, as you said, mm -hmm. what was it like coming to this realization that I don't have the spoons to be able to deal with this? That cannot have been easy, especially knowing you're going to get some side eye from people who don't understand why you're taking this. Oh, it's so hard. I mean, it's taken me years. Sure. There's so much internal ableism. There's so much fear. It's just stunning how much there is to overcome. And the difficulty of trying to fight the way through or understand or for me personally, every person, of course, has their own journey with this. But for me, I think there's a lot of fear of worthiness and challenge around is it real or is this bad enough? And I have had a long-term chronic illness all my life. I'm asthmatic. My first memories are learning how to take an inhaler. My lungs have always been compromised. I've had pneumonia and bronchitis and sinus infections and breathing infections all my life, kind of annually up until I started living in a world that had accessibility to good masks on a regular basis. Mm -hmm. And so I think... I have always downplayed. I was very well trained as an infant, actually, from the time I was two or three, since I was a toddler, to not let my illness impact my family. My mother's actually apologized for that. And to learn how to keep my sickness from impacting other people and to try very much to play it down. And so I'm very apologetic about when my physical shortcomings impact other people. So for me, it has been incredibly difficult to recognize that I have to stop. What I've learned is that for chronic migraine, when you start to have, I believe it's seven to eight migraines a month, it's considered chronic. I had 17 in September. 
Oh, that sounds terrible. And that's not counting your prodrome or postdrome days where you're having the nausea and the dizziness and the cognitive fog and stumbling and light sensitivity and tinnitus and all the other symptoms that go along with migraine with aura on either side of the migraine. So there wasn't really a day in September when I didn't have symptoms. And that kind of has continued, not kind of, that has continued October, November, December. So it takes a lot for me to recognize and honor that fatigue and those symptoms and to say this is real and I'm not able to be stronger than my physical body. I'm not able to suffer through this. I'm not able to power through this anymore. I have to stop. I think the other reason that I am not as surprised or sad by this decision is having seen you go through this, having seen you on the days around the headaches as much as I have. Yeah. I am so thankful that you are willing to pull back and take the time for yourself that you need to heal because that's not typical. That is not what this country and this civilization puts forward as something that is to be praised. And one of the things, as I was talking with Deacon Bonnie about making this decision, it always comes back to what points to Jesus, right? What actions can I do as a religious leader, as a faithful leader that point to Jesus? And it's not sacrificing myself on the altar of pain. It's not trying to stick around and do all these things, right? Pointing to Jesus is to point to healing. And I'm not healing by continuing to fight my way through in a time when the congregation is going through such intense change. And it's such a hard time for the congregation. We are looking at selling our building. We are going through incredible transformation. And I can't be there the way that I want to be. I literally am losing my vision. And then pain mm -hmm. sets in. Like auras come on first. I lose my vision. And then the pain shows up. And I can't see the people's face on the screen. I can't type. I can't read things. And I can't show up and be present the way that I want. I can't lead the way that I want. And that doesn't point to Jesus. It's just pride that is keeping me there. It's just stubbornness and pride. And it doesn't serve anyone. And to point to Jesus and to say what Jesus longs for all of us is for healing, is for rest, is for hope, and to trust that the Holy Spirit and Jesus will provide for this community beyond me. I am so not necessary for the this congregation to have what they need for this time of transition. This congregation has everything that we need to make this transition happen. And I will receive what I need to find true healing as long as I continue to follow and trust that God is going to provide it. And it is absolutely terrifying to do this. And it is absolutely heart-shattering for me to make the decision to leave right now. I have cried more in the last three weeks than I have in the last seven to ten years. And I cannot make a different choice and still stand in the integrity of my faith. And so this is what I 
feel is the best way to point to Jesus in this time. So we've talked about accessibility in the past. Mm-hmm. And we've mentioned things like, you know, your large print bulletins, the microphones, the Zoom worship. How has your view of accessibility changed as you found yourself needing more and more of it in an accommodation yourself? I think, sadly, I will say it has taken me needing these things for me to understand how important they are. Sure. Isn't that the sad truth that we often have to have the experience ourselves before we understand their importance? And I wish that wasn't the case. I will say Deacon Bonnie's years of working within the community and in accessibility work has also been very strong in helping me understand what kind of accommodations can be made for folks. And so it's not just that I have become increasingly disabled myself, but also that Deacon Bonnie has led me in a way, particularly in physical accommodations and how accommodations can be made for physical disabilities. And so I think that I just have become more and more aware and more and more conscious of the things that need to change to be more accommodating, more inclusive, and more accessible, for sure. When Black Lives Matter happened, Mm -hmm. and I started tailoring my social media feed to be more inclusive, Mm -hmm. I hooked gently into a lot of the disability channels that are out there. And it is always amazing how much you really don't realize right down to curb cuts being an accessibility issue, which we all love and enjoy, but never would have pegged the origin of without it being pointed out to you. Absolutely. And intersectionality is the key, right? Like I think that many of us starting in 2020 with the Black Lives Matter movement began to get more information about disability services and accessibility services because of that, because intersectionality is what we will continue to learn about. Mm -hmm. That all the isms find their way to making us more aware. The more we learn about ableism, the more we will learn about racism, the more we will learn about sexism, the more, we, Mm -hmm. you know, they all find their way into each other. And That is just the truth and reality. I think if you follow Crutches and Spice on any social media, she is a Black disabled woman and she is astonishing what you can learn from her about disability, about Black lives, about speaking out. She's an incredible, incredible person to learn from. Can't recommend her enough. Excellent. Okay. Time off. Mm -hmm. How much of this being a pastor is ingrained to the point where you're going to sit and write sermons to your pets? (laughs) (laughs) Or are you really going to give yourself time to not think about anything quote unquote work related? Yeah, this is such an interesting question. As I've thought about this, because I have to do no work, right? Like I'm done. I'm I'm off work and it's not just a month of medical leave. Like this is, I'm taking disability. I'm off work. Mm -hmm. And so what is it to be a pastor? Which one thing is giving up that title, this wonderful gender inclusive title that I've had 
for my entire professional life. Mm -hmm. And so I've had this title since I was 25-ish. And so I don't even know like what title people, I guess I can still use reverend because pastor is for those of us who are serving within congregations okay. who have this degree and reverend is like we're ordained, but we don't have... You still get to be the reverend doctor, right? right? I'm still the reverend doctor. So I guess doctor is a gender neutral term. So I could still use Reverend Doctor or use Dr. Llewellyn as a title, I guess. So I have to figure out like what title. I feel weird asking for Reverend. I feel weird asking for Reverend Doctor. I feel weird asking for Doctor. Like it's that question of identity a little bit mm -hmm. because I won't be pastor for the first time since I've been in my 20s. And that's a big shift. It is. But it's not all of who I am. I'm not one of those that has let my pastoral identity be my only identity. I'm also a storyteller, a game master. And so I'm okay with letting go of pastor as a title and as, a, as an honorific. I won't be writing sermons. I could easily let that one go. Okay. I think what will be very hard is... When people who don't know that I'm on break reach out to me by messenger or text or a phone call for emotional care and spiritual support, and I will need to tell them I'm not available to you in this capacity right now, you need to reach out to someone else. That will be extremely hard. I can't even imagine because that has been my role. That is who I am and how I have functioned and how I have been for people. For the time that most people have known me in their lives. And so it's a very select few people who don't know me, who know me as more than that. And so it will be a very harsh, I think, for some people experience when I need to set that boundary and say, I, I can't do this for you. Mm -hmm. I can't be here for you in this way. You need to reach out to someone else because then it's that recognition that this was a piece of my work. And I think for some people, it's hard to understand that carrying the emotional journeys with people is part of our call and part of our work and not just something that we are and do out of the goodness of our hearts that it is actually part of our work mm -hmm. that we are compensated for. And so while we have been on, like I have been on call for 24 seven, 365 for these years, I will not be anymore. And so that boundary will be new and that will be very hard on some folks. Not the least of which I can imagine is you. I think what will be hard is disappointing people. Mm-hmm. Disappointing people and making people angry is not something I'm very good at. I've gotten better. I've worked really hard to work on my, you know, any codependency pieces of me. And I've sure. worked really hard at like not letting other people's stories they tell themselves about me really dig into my soul. And I'm still a human being and it still hurts. Yep. And it's still hard. Okay. Let's talk about the elephant in the room. 
Mm. What does this mean for the future of the podcast? <laughs> we don't know yet. Can we say we don't know yet? We can say we don't know. I would like to record a few more this week if we can, mm -hmm. if we have time that you can edit in the coming weeks so that this isn't our last podcast because I still owe Bonnie a podcast on birds. Okay. I owe you a podcast. You know what it's on. <laughs> Biblically accurate angels. Yes. <laughs> and we have a podcast that has been requested by a listener yes. on millennials in the church. We are struggling to find a millennial to help us through with that one because that's neither of us. But Pax has agreed to come and record that with us. So hopefully they might be available to record this week. If they are not, you could record that one without me. Yes. And it can be a podcast in the future. So we don't know exactly what it means for the future of the podcast. Dawn may continue without me with other guests. That will be up to Dawn as the producer of the podcast. It's possible, but you are a hard act to follow, my friend. Well, but there are some amazing folks out there. There so, are. There absolutely are. And you are a brilliant host. So you never know. You never know. Never know. Okay, that's going to lead me to my last question. Yeah. What do you most want to say to people right now? How much I love everyone. Not in like the cheesy, I love you, man. Mm -hmm. But like, I think to the community of Central Lutheran, I have told many people that I fell in love with Central two years before I ever interviewed there. And I love this community as much today as I did the day I arrived. I love this community more for the journey that we have been through. And it is not because of a lack of love that I am making this choice. And to the wider community in Portland that I have served and that I get to serve, that I will not be serving anymore either because I need to stop. So for the roller derby community and our podcast community and those who have found us in any various way or followed me in any various way, it is such an incredible honor to be trusted and to be honored to hear and to hold and to witness story. And I pray that I will find a treatment that is effective so that in the future I can return to ministry. And until then, it has been an absolute honor, privilege, delight to get to point to Jesus in this place and in this time. And I guess just have hope. Things are hard. Don't give up. Hold on to each other. Don't forget you're loved. Wonderful. Well, thank you, Pastor Amanda, for taking the time to help us learn a little more about disability. I look forward, hopefully... <laughs> Hopefully I look forward to sitting down with you a few more times in the future. As do I. And we're going to check our calendar and see what we can find for this week to get a mm -hmm. couple more recordings done. For those of you who have been listening along for all of these years, thank you. 
For those of you who've just found us, don't worry. There are like 375 episodes. You can go back and listen to us. There is so much to learn. You can find all of these episodes on iTunes or Spotify. And if you want to reach out, you can reach Don at podcast at centralportland.org. Until we are back in your ears again, remember, God loves you no matter what.